Hi, and welcome to Pass the Golden Popcorn, an MTV Movie Awards podcast, where we look through the wild world of MTV Movie and TV Award nominations and try to figure out who really should have won. I'm Kenny Sage, a foremost movie expert. And I'm Ben Gray, a foremost kissing expert. And today we are continuing our look at Best Kiss with 1995. How are you doing today, Ben? I'm doing really, really well. This was a really weird bunch of movies. Yeah. I definitely thought we were past the era of movies that had like the really long opening credits. But Speed had it, so I was I was wrong on that. Yeah, Speed definitely has a good opening credit sequence, which <laughs> you can bring back like long opening credit sequences. It's like Oh, uh, I take I don't want that to, I hate that. Oh master on it's like an art form. Yeah. <laughs> Put credits at the end so I can leave. <laughs> I was like, sometimes there's ways to do opening credit scenes that are like, okay, good, yeah, no, like you, kind of get you in right. the mood for like a movie, like you know the classic yeah. Spider-Man Two one. I, as well, I was about to say exactly that one. You know what? Yeah, that totally is one. But the speed one, I don't think was that one. It was literally just an elevator going down and then names showing up in like 3D text. Okay, yeah, fair, fair enough, I guess. So, pretty good movie, though. I I think that is my, but I I was just I was just thrown off because I was like, oh, finally we're past the era of movies with really long opening cuts or opening uh opening credits. Yeah, but <laughs> actually, yeah, Speed. Where yeah, we'll get to, but it's the first film we've covered that kind of swept the MTV Movie Awards in a lot of cate- categories. Like, oh wow. It won six awards and was nominated for nine. Oh, wow. It was, it's actually the first Best Kiss nominee to get a Best Movie nomination. Oh, though it, Yeah, though it lost to some little art film called Pulp Fiction. Yeah, I don't think I've heard about that. I have seen Interview with the Vampire, though, fairly recently. Which oh. I... Every, oh, my, friend, my friend Ian was watching it every time I... Because I saw it, like, I think um one fourth into it, but I keep on referring to it um, unintentionally as like Diary of a Vampire. It's not what it is called. <laughs> yeah, um, very different than a diary. It's it's an interview. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it also beat Forrest Gump. Good, good call, good call. And then I have not seen The Crow. Like Pulp Fiction yeah. does seem like the best movie out of this bunch. So yeah. Oh, and I I hadn't seen. Pulp Fiction until very recently, but I enjoyed it quite thoroughly. But uh, it didn't have a meaningful kiss, apparently. Yeah, so. I guess not. Well, well, a di- another movie written by Quentin Tarantino does get a nomination this year, but the only not like Quentin Tarantino directed movie that gets nominated for Best Kiss is Django Unchained. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, to start the 1995 MTV Movie Awards aired Saturday, June 10th. They were hosted by, in what seems like a very odd combination. Like, I, I get why one of these people is hosting, maybe not the other one, but they were hosted by John Lovitz and Courtney Cox. Just <laughs> oh, a power duo. Yeah, reuniting their friends' chemistry as Monica and friend of Monica who just gets very high. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't even know if he's a friend. No, he's like a prospective employer. It's, yeah. <laughs> maybe that episode know. hasn't aired yet. I should uh, have figured out where Friends was at this point in the show. Oh, yeah, that would probably help. Yeah. Do you want to go down the nominees and winner? Like uh, what they all were? Yeah, let's do it. So the nominees for Best Kiss of 1995 were Julie Delpy and Ethan Hawke, Before Sunrise. Juliette Lewis and Woody Harrelson, Natural Born Killers. Sandra Bullock and Keanu Reeves for Speed. Jamie Lee Curtis and Arnold Schwarzenegger for True Lives. And the winner for Best Kiss 1995 was Lauren Hawley and Jim Carrey for Dumb and Dumber. So yeah, let's start with Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> yeah, in terms of like the movie itself, it's alright. Um, I definitely have a lot of nostalgia for it, because uh, my dad quotes it constantly. So I have a lot of like endearing memories because of that. But as a movie, I think it's it's okay. Yeah, I um, think The Mask is the Jim Carrey movie from this period that I have a, more fondness for. 
Maybe oh, liar, yeah. liar, but it's been a while. Dumb and Dumber, <laughs> like, I just could not get, get, get into it as much. It's just it was a movie where I was confused with... It's a very horny movie, I think we can say this, but... Yeah, yeah, weirdly. Yeah, definitely, like, very strangely. Yeah, and, and then, I, yeah, the... Oh, sorry, do you have, any, you have something else to say? Oh, yeah, no, just that I feel it's kind of tonally confused with should Lloyd and Harry be this horny when they're this dumb? Especially when, like, <laughs> you factor what the kiss in this is into the equation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, in terms of, like, the kiss... The kiss sort of happens in like a dream or fantasy sequence. Ah, it's it's weird that because um, I think between this comedy kiss and the Wayne's World two comedy kiss, the Wayne's World two comedy kiss blows this one out of the water. Yeah, like this one is all right. Um, you know, quick, quick, Dumb and Dumber like synopsis. It's much like True Romance. There's a classic wrong briefcase mix up, <laughs> and they wind up with this. The briefcase of Lauren Hawley, this mysterious woman who Jim Carrey is just enamored by. They go to return it to her at like Aspen Ski Lodge because Jim Carrey is hoping to like win her over. Unbeknownst to him, he's married or she's married, and the briefcase is like ransom money because her husband's in trouble. And so she's really hoping for it back. But at one point, as they go on this row road trip, Jim Carrey and his Buddy Jeff Daniels there. Jim Carrey has like a fantasy sequence of what his and Lauren Holly's life is going to be like when he like returns the briefcase, which involves like a. It's hard to describe what this kiss is like. Just yeah, I yeah, it is really hard to describe. It is. It's definitely a comedy kiss. This is the first comedy kiss win. Yeah, it is very hard to describe. It's kind um, of just. They're kind of just literally sucking face a lot. Like it's yeah, it's yeah. It's mouth very, is like, way too open. It's just, yeah, it's a very it's a very over overly energized kid. That maybe conflicts with a plot point where Jim Carrey's character, as in the past, like apparently had some kind of relationship with Jeff Daniels' character's like old girlfriend. Like it's yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this movie definitely like is not. Uh, it's definitely its its romance isn't its strongest aspect. It's a really weird pick, honestly, out of this year. Um, yeah, you have like because there's a good variety of kisses going. There's some very romantic ones. Um, yeah, and very like actiony ones. One that involves a lot of people just watching and cheering for some reason. <laughs> so it's interesting that like I guess it speaks to like how popular Jim Carrey was at the time, where everyone's like, yeah, yeah. obviously it's Jim Carrey. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I think I think his star power probably was a big deciding factor here. Yeah. Another interesting thing is, even though the romance wasn't the focus of Dumb and Dumber, Jim Carrey and Lauren Hawley actually did start a relationship from this. And yeah. at the time of their speech, they're dating. They have a very brief marriage from like ninety six to ninety seven and some time. But this this like speech that happens before that has a thing where it's pretty funny actually. Lauren Hawley's like. I know everyone's wondering, so yes, he does actually kiss like that. <laughs> like, I was confused too. He's like, but he's great at making love. And then Jim Carrey's like, oh, uh, honey, they don't even know. He's like, well, if they do want to, like, can just watch. And then he just names some, like, Discovery Channel monkey thing. And he just kind of does, like, an like eye raise. Oh, yeah. And then he thanks that movie awards for recognizing copulation as an art form. <laughs> well, they don't kiss. Like, they don't recreate uh, their kiss on stage. Yeah, it's still a ways yeah. down the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. This is the the first of um, at least two Jim Carrey nominations. I'm not sure if he has any, any more past, um, past uh, this in the, the next year. But um, um, he's starting off really strong. Oh, I think he does actually get, get one for... At least he should have. Oh, he does. He does. He got. Sorry. Yeah. No. He has a couple. Um. Down the line. Yeah. He's he's like a three time nominee. But yeah, he gets one next year, and then, oh, not realize Bruce Almighty was the third one. Thought maybe it would be I don't know Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind or Truman Show or one of his very good dramatic roles. (laughs) No. 
Uh, you really, you really peaked with Dumb and Dumber too when it came to uh, emotional romantic gravitas, at least wow, in the eyes of the MTV Movie Awards. Oh, excited to revisit Bruce Almighty at some point, then. Oh, yeah. No, that's that's pretty much all I had to say about the the Dumb and Dumber one. Um, yeah, it's a pretty good movie. Pretty yeah. pretty mediocre kiss. Not even the best comedy kiss we've seen so far in the in the Academy's run. Yeah, definitely uh, playing ca- catch up there. Yeah, exactly. Dumb and Dumber. I didn't enjoy it that much, so I do like the gag at the end where they're just too dumb to recognize the offer to like the like yeah <laughs> models or something for yeah. The, the whole the whole joke is that like uh, the bus stops like full of uh like bikini babes and they're like hey like do you know anybody that like we need like a lotion specialist, and they're like, "Ah, oh, sorry, we don't know anybody." And then Jim, I think it's Jim Carrey's character goes like, "Oh my gosh, are you an idiot?" And then he like runs after the bus, like slimy, and then goes, "Oh god, thank God we stopped you." There's a town like ten miles that way, probably full of guys that would be able to do it. Uh, yeah, it's a joke <laughs> go, I enjoyed. Yeah, that one and the one where Jeff Daniels like empties a toilet out the window, just. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think that I think that's probably my biggest attachment to movies is like very isolated, very like strong comedy bits. Um, also just like little things, like when when Jim Carrey's like leaving the gas station, just goes, "What's up?" And that's it. To like two yeah. random guys. Uh, yeah, but definitely in terms of this uh, Kiss Academy, definitely one of the weaker ones. Yeah. yeah. So we can move on to Before Sunrise with Julie Delpy and Ethan Hawke. Yeah, Ethan Hawke playing a very similar character to his character in Reality Bites. Um, yeah. A very sort of a young sort of um, kind of like, uh, I want to say not really cynical, but like, very, I guess kind of cynical. He's, he's kind of cynical in some scenes, but like very like, uh, like I'm young and I got the world figured out. And like, uh, like I, I see through some, some of the veneer. But I guess I can give like the synopsis of like, Two people, Ethan Hawke's characters, and um, is a uh, Julie Delpy, or yeah, yeah, uh, Julie Delpy and Ethan Hawke, sort of um, just by coincidence, sort of meet on a train, and then they really like. There's a lot of chemistry between them. Ethan Ethan Hawke's character like has to catch a plane that next day, so he's planning just to like walk around. Um, pretty sure it was Venice, and they just sort of spend the day together and just sort of talk about just their experiences and their life. Um, and then I think they sort of near the end, they decide that like they should not see each other like, like past this because like, oh, they, they, uh, a common like theme or something they talk about is sort of like love, like kind of withering away and like people that are like together for too long eventually start to hate each other. Uh, but then I think right at the end, they sort of agree like, okay, we're going to meet back here in like six months and then the movie ends. So you don't, we don't know. We don't know what happens. I mean, at least we didn't know at the time. The, this movie is actually the beginning of a trilogy. Of films. Oh, oh, I had no idea. That's super interesting. Yeah, so this uh, this film was directed by Richard Linklater, who made films as Days and Confused, and also his he's made Boyhood, which I think is kind of a similarly ambitious project of this film. Him, Ethan Hawke, and Julie Delpy, they kind of made a thing where uh, nine years later, they made a sequel to this movie, Before Sunset. And then nine years after that, they made a third film before Midnight. Oh. So there's two sequels that both kind of catch up with these characters at different times and always sort of end on kind of an ambiguous note. Ambiguous but hopeful of what's going to happen. Yeah. So so before Sunset, the idea is it's nine years later and he's written like a book on this experience and he's kind of giving it to her in Paris and he runs into her again. And you find out that, spoilers for people who don't want to know the thing, that he showed up six months later, but her grandmother died, and she did not show up. Uh So it's kind of this real-time thing, and they catch up on where their lives are. And before Midnight is kind of a different structure where, without trying to give too much spoilers since you've just learned (laughs) about these movies, and I think you should watch them, but then before Midnight, they've they've established more contact since the second one. And it's just kind of exploring that again. And in each one, you kind of get to see them in sort of different points of their lives, you know, like their twenties and the 
first one and then they're like 30s and their 40s and other experiences have kind of changed their perspective on the world and it's really cool and oh that seems i definitely have to give those a watch that's very very interesting hopefully they've been nominated for best kiss uh they have not not been <laughs> so you have to see it go uh rats no yeah. it's totally fine but you know um yeah it's just kind of like a very um this is a very very sweet love story um yeah with like two pretty like like young love um is just very very cool um the kiss itself yeah it's pretty good what do, what do you think about it yeah it's pretty, pretty good like the kiss assumingly it's the one there's a point where they get on like this ferris wheel and they kind of just have their kiss there and i'll say the interesting thing i learned when just kind of doing my research on it is new york times had done like a retrospective that kind of interviewed all three of them and i guess they had a lot of issues with the kiss where they were originally trying to shoot it like right at sunset, but the Ferris wheel, they'd only stop it for 10 minutes at a time. And then they'd have to like go around. So that like affected things. And then also actress Julie Delpy was like afraid of height. So like she had kind of those issues there. I guess she hasn't been on a Ferris wheel since. Oh no. She's like, and she's like, yeah, I'm also shy with men. And I had to kiss someone who was a friend at this point. So it was Um... scary. And then, Ethan Hawke's like, I remember laughing a lot because Julie just kept making fun of me. Like, that's the look you give girls? You've got to do better than that. <laughs> oh, that's really sweet. Yeah, but, you know, I think it's a nice kiss. It kind of speaks to the sort of burgeoning chemistry between them. And, mm-hmm. you know, the movie's a nice little story. It's It actually was based on a real experience that the director had where one night he had spent a night walking around Philadelphia with, like, a woman he didn't really know. Wow. Oh, I wish this movie took place in Philadelphia. That'd be so much, that'd be so different. <laughs> but no, that's really cool. I'll say the sequels are like, again, set in different locations. Well, they're all like pretty European movies. Like the second one is in like Paris, and then the third one's in like Greece. Mm-hmm. F- fun movies. Um, Something I learned is when looking through kind of people who were going to play the role of Jesse before Ethan Hawke landed it, uh, future Best Kiss nominee Michael Vartan, who later gets nominated for Never Been Kissed, was considered for the role. Oh. Oh. Everything I want to hold out is there's like a funny bit where at one point they encounter a couple guys who are putting on a play and they get invited oh, yeah. to like see the play and you think it's going to like pay off and then at the end it's just like, oh, we never made it to that guy's play. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I was so excited for that part and it never came. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> just kind of make out for the item set. Oh, you know. Yeah, before sunrise. Pretty good movie. Pretty good kiss. Nothing to complain about there. So if you want to move on, there's a movie that some people had a lot to complain about. Unnatural Born Killers. Julia. Yeah, oh my gosh. That was such a... I had such whiplash. Because I I usually watch these all in like kind of one big chunk. And I I try to like take notes and stuff. Um, Oh my gosh. Watching Natural Born Killers right after Before Sunrise was was super weird. Um, oh, yeah, I bet. Just very different vibes. <laughs> very, very different vibes. I I think I really liked it. I think it was very, very weird. Oh, it was just very... It was a very dream-like movie. So, except for like the first little bit, and then it, it sort of got a little more grounded near the second half, I would say. Well, relatively more grounded, I guess. Yeah, it's... It's an interesting film for yeah, director Oliver Stone. Um, it's, this film, interesting thing, was named the eighth most controversial film in history by Entertainment Weekly in 2006. Oh yeah, that would, that would make sense. Yeah. Um, it has a Wikipedia article that, yeah, entitled Natural Born Killer Copycat Crimes of spree oh, killings yeah. that people... Uh, where I were inspired by the film, or people suspect have been inspired by the film. Yeah, Most notably, that's... Natural Born Killers was apparently one of the things that inspired the Columbine people. Oh, jeez, that's horrible. That's so... Wow, because like I feel like that's what the whole movie was about, was sort of like the corruption of, like, and like the glorification of that kind of stuff, and it I guess it's 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 that um it was that old I don't know who said it it's like a quote where it's like uh, satire should be done very purposely and carefully lest it be confused for the things it's satirizing. Yeah, 
I mean, I watch the film and I pick it up on as like satire. I think some of some of it is just like hysteria, but I think yeah. it's also like you can see how someone maybe watched this and thought. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's definitely like it's yeah, it's very it's very fine line between like making fun of people for like glorifying violence and then just glorifying violence. Like I feel like that's a very hard line to straddle. And I feel like this movie. I, I don't know if this movie did that well at all. <laughs> and I guess in terms of it, like, as a movie and as an experience, I had a pretty good time with it. I wish it sort of tonally was more similar to its first half in the second half, I guess. In, like, the first half where, like, it's so insane and there's, like, a segment where it's, like, like a sitcom and there's, like, a laugh track and it's so, things are just so insane. And then near the end, it's sort of, it's still insane, but it loses a lot of those, like, interesting motifs, I think. Or not motifs, but just, like, um, styling choices. I think it's a bit more focused, though I would argue there's definitely a point in the film where it's just Woody Harrelson, Robert Downey Jr., and Tommy Lee Jones all trying to just out-ham each other. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, Robert Downey Jr.'s in this movie. I saw his name was in the credits, and I wonder if he was going to show up. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's, like, the third lead, um... Oh yeah, I guess. I guess yeah. I guess in retrospect, he is. You don't see yeah. him for like the first, um, the first like third and a bit though. Yeah. So, look, quick summary of the film. It's yeah. It's about these people. Yeah, Mickey Knox and Mallory, played by Woody Harrelson and Juliette Lewis, both people who have been nominated in the past. Julia Juliet Lewis just does not get normal nominated for like normal like non thriller type films it seems yeah <laughs> but they're like a couple it's a sort of take a modern take on the kind of Bonnie and Clyde like just these things except they're serial killers instead of bank robbers mm-hmm. so it begins with them going on a spree and you kind of see the nation is sort of captivated by them and yeah. their habit of only leaving one survivor to tell their story. Yeah, I think one of the one of the lines from one of the characters, or like one of the characters being interviewed, it's like, oh yeah, like murder's wrong, but like if I had to be a serial killer, I'd be them. Yeah, <laughs> it's very very satirical. Um, there's flashbacks that are done in the style of like an old '50s sitcom to Mallory's like upbringing with this really ab- abusive father mm-hmm. who, and Mickey's like a neat delivery man and they kill him her father played by rodney dangerfield famously who gets no respect oh yeah cool. and it's this thing where they're going around and robert downey jr is this reporter who just keeps like glorifying their crimes and getting like attention there's a lot of stuff eventually they get arrested like halfway through the film film and then the second half is this idea that they're in prison and they're going to get transferred to the psychiatric hospitals, but the warden really wants them to get killed during that transfer, but also he's granted Robert Downey Jr.'s character an interview with yeah, them that's going to air during the Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> and they're able to take advantage of the interview to start a prison riot that kind of goes with them getting, yeah, killing a lot of people. Robert Downey Jr. Eventually, some of his camera people get started getting killed, and he just kind of snaps and also starts like shooting at guards and oh yeah, killing uh, people. Oh, such a it, wild, wild ride of movie. There's like just this random person who show yeah, who just shows up at one point, and like this inmate who's like, "Hey, just follow me." And <laughs> to, Put him away. Apparently, the original ending of the movie was this inmate was going to kill them, and the idea was, you know, serial killer killing like serial killer, but instead they realize it's, or they decided it was more powerful if the ending is they get away and they kill Robert Downey Jr.'s yeah, character. And it's a really great bit where he's like, What? You, you leave one, one survivor? He's like, Yeah, well, we have your camera for that. It's like, you know, it's just kind of how this works. It's like, Frankenstein's monster killing Dr. Frankenstein. <laughs> stuff like that. Oh, yeah. And then it ends with them just kind of fugitives and with a family, and they don't kill people, maybe, but they're... Yeah, it's, it's left a little... Still on the run. Yeah, no, this was the one um, that was written by Quentin Tarantino. And then the kiss. I think it's not a good sign that I can't even remember which scene that the main kiss happened in. 
There's just so much that happens yeah, in this movie. I think it's when they get married. It's Oh yeah, yeah, that would be the one. Yeah, yeah it's them over on like a bridge. I think there's like another kiss when they kiss in prison yeah, and that's the one I, blood as well. That's the one I thought it would be. Um but yeah, no, I guess there's yeah. like the bridge one. Uh, so I'll say it's harder to find clips of that one where I can find Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. Um yeah, really good movie. The kisses are kinda mediocre. I guess the prison kiss is like yeah, it's pretty powerful, but yeah, there's like a lot of chemistry between them, but like it's you're not watching this film for the kiss. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, wild movie. Uh, pretty good kiss, I would say. The kiss, the kiss doesn't elevate, but the kiss also does not detract. So it is a it is a neutral kiss, I would say. Um, but yeah, very very interesting movie, I would say. Definitely, like I don't want like worth a watch if you can like stomach like a lot of like violence yeah and if you're not afraid about potentially upsetting quentin tarantino who has disowned this film and is like if you like this film you're probably not a big fan of my work which sorry quentin i'm gonna have to disagree with you there yeah uh yeah no this is a very like when you told me that Quentin tarantino like wrote one of the movies like this was the immediate one i was like oh it's obviously this one you know that's kind of all i had to say about natural born killers now we can get into a more more classical cloud crowd pleaser of a film, uh, Speed. <laughs> yeah, uh, Speed with uh, Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock as the main kiss, and also Jeffrey Daniels also playing another character named Harry. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jeff Daniels gets double duty then as Keanu's partner. Yeah, I just I just found it really funny that he was in both movies on this list. He was na- his name is Harry. Character, yeah, <laughs> big year for Jeff Daniels playing people named Harry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, Speed. Um, it sort of starts out with uh, Keanu Reeves, and then I'm pretty sure it's Keanu Reeves. And is it is it Jeffrey Daniels' character as well, or is it somebody else? I'm trying to remember. I think it's them. Yeah, it's like him and Jeff Daniels, I believe, still. And yeah, they're trying to save a um. A, what at first looks like a a sort of or at least to the to the people like an accidental like elevator mishap but it's clearly a a, ca- a concerted effort by somebody um they have to like get people off like an elevator that's like on its like last cable and they sort of like they kind of find the guy who's like originally rigging the explosives but he gets away and he it's presumed that he exploded and then a little later uh he's able to like get in contact with like Keanu Reeves through a, a payphone and sort of tells him like, I have a bus that's going to explode. There are rules to this. And if you don't give me $13 million, I'm going to blow up the bus. And if it goes above 50, the bomb is armed. And if it goes below 50, it'll explode after that. Yeah. <laughs> this movie's kind of silly. Um, just because I like how the villain kind of said, was like, there are rules uh, to this, just so that later on when he's like, Keanu Reeves is like, I can leave the bus. Like, that's not against the rules. Um, yeah, it's definitely <laughs> like a classic, like, 90s action yeah, no, it's definitely, it's definitely, like, very, like, yeah, very, like, cheesy, kind of, like, um, like, over-the-top villain. You're not gonna, you're not gonna get much nuance with this, uh, with this villain. Yeah, but it's fun. Like, yeah, less of it takes place fun. on the bus than I would have expected. Yeah. Like, it's it's always a movie where you hear the premise, you're like, oh, it must all be on a bus. But it's like, there's three distinct acts that all take place on, like, different kind of things. Yeah, like, I remember, I, I had a very silly thought near the beginning. I'm like, wait a minute. Speed, like, is this, is the first movie just about an elevator? And then maybe two's about the bus? <laughs> I, I kind of... No, two's about a boat. Oh, okay, that makes sense. E2, cruise control. <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, very little actually like, takes place on the bus. Most of it takes place like outside of the bus. It's like detectives doing detective work. It's Keanu like jumping on and off the bus to like do stuff. Yeah, the third act is also largely on a train. Yeah, oh my gosh, yeah, completely. Um, yeah, it's just a different. like a train that like is speeding. Yeah, I completely forgot. Yeah, there's very it's, uh, it's elevator then bus then train. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, there's still a good portion on the bus, and that's where you uh-huh. kind of get into the thing, because a lot of the film is Sandra Bullock plays a woman who's taking the bus because her license has been, like, revoked <laughs> for speeding. <laughs> and 
when Keanu Reeves initially comes onto the bus, there is a misunderstanding with like a criminal on the bus oh, yeah, who thinks he has come to arrest him. Is it the is it and, the bus driver or I remember right? Oh no, it's not the bus oh, driver. Yeah. It's just like some criminal. And in the like thing, he's explained to the bus driver what's going on, like so no one's gonna pan- panic at the time. But then the criminal freaks out and shoots the bus driver. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then like so like the, Sandra Bullock has to drive the bus. Yeah, and then like the villain establishes like, oh, there are rules, but then he's like, we have to get this guy off the bus. He's bleeding to death. He's like, nope, no one's allowed to leave the bus. And he's like, come on. And then the villain's like. Fine, you can come off the bus. <laughs> yeah, it, it makes like a thing thing that like goes in. It's like you know, it'll be better for you. It'll be a good chance to get like your money. Yeah, if yeah. it gets off the yeah, exactly. Bus. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, know, like pretty pretty thrilling, pretty exciting movie. Now, what about the kiss? Yeah. So at the end of the movie, well, Act One again kind of establishes what's going on. Act Two is all the bus stuff. There's a lot of intrigue. Jeff Daniels, duh, yeah, does at one point. Um, there's a lot of stuff that involves them going into obstacles like rush hour traffic or an unfinished road. That... <laughs> oh, oh, when they when they jump the they jump the unfinished road, that was ridiculous. Yeah, a lot of cars get damaged that day, um, but eventually they realize he's watching them through like a camera, and they're able to come up with a feed of them going on while they like get everyone off the bus and then crash it into an airplane at the airport where they are. And Dennis Hopper, who is like the villain, he gets mad. He kidnaps Sandra Bullock's character because he's noticed there's like some chemistry between her and Keanu Reeves. And he takes her onto like a subway, and it becomes like a big, big thing where he's he like breaks her to an explosive vest, and it's just a whole thing on the train so he can get like the the money. The money gets ruined by like a, the die pack pack in the bag exploding. Oh yeah, and it leads to a thing on the train that ends in the villain getting decapitated by like a yeah railway. Um, what doesn't he say like I'm smarter? And then Keanu Reeves says, after he gets decapitated, but I'm taller? Yeah, that's <laughs> a really good line. What does that mean, though? I'm taller. Well, he, he lost some height when his, like, oh, okay. when his you know, head gets taken off. makes sense now. I was so confused. <laughs> and then doesn't he get in the train and immediately say, like, I guess he lost his head? Yeah, it's a lot of bits. Yeah. But then she's stuck to like the pole. She's like handcuffed to like the the guess the one of those like handrails on, on a on a subway. Yeah. yeah, and the bad guy had the key, but like he's dead, and the body I think just flies off the train, and they yeah. can't stop the train. So instead, he accelerates it. And <laughs> at this point, I think everyone is off the train except them. Mm-hmm. But eventually, they just cause the train to derail. And it plows through like uh, sight and just bursts out onto the streets of Hollywood. Oh, yeah. And they're unharmed. And having been through the thing, they have a, something about oh, relationships starting under pressure. Oh yeah, it's, like uh, yeah, like don't always sit relationships under pressure and horribly. Yeah, and they're like oh well, and they just start making out. But then like a crowd shows up <laughs> and, they up and just start cheering. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> oh yeah because because over the course of this this their story has gotten on like tv and so like audiences are getting like invested in what's been going on yeah, I, I guess sort of a a parallel to natural born killers a little more wholesome though <laughs> yeah a little more wholesome there's nothing about the problematic relationship between people getting like involved in this and <laughs> Yeah, it's just this really goofy kiss. Um, I would argue maybe having a crowd there undercuts it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it turns it into a little more of a partly comedy kiss. It is, it is quite funny when people are like taking like Polaroid pictures. Yeah, but again, speech is a good goofy pr- crowd pleaser. Um, yeah, as I mentioned, this this is at the very least it's the most like nominated film that we've seen that kind of overlaps with best kiss nominations 
I haven't been checking over years as much to see if there was some kind of Twilight-type film that swept a bunch of stuff. Mm -hmm. This seems to be like the original thing for that, yeah. which is interesting, because I always have associated Twilight more with the idea of having that big kind of film that weeps a bunch of stuff, but mm -hmm. well, it turns out it can happen here. Um, yeah. Bead won. Like, if you don't mind me just going quick through all its awards and accolades. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, best on-screen duo. Beating, yeah, beating out, actually. Natural Born Killers and Dumb and Dumber, which both got on-screen dual noms. It also won Best Villain for Dennis Hopper. Best Female Performance. Most Desirable Female. And Best Action Sequence. And it was nominated for Best Movie, Best Male Performance, and Most Desirable Male. It beat out, it beat out the, it beat out Scar from the Lion King for Best Wow, player. that is like a... That's really st <laughs> I You know what, I'm not going to argue with that. I'm yeah, as, as someone who's always thought Scar was maybe a bit, yeah, overrated as like a villain. It's just... Yeah. Or actually, no, Scar's fine. It's Be Prepared, where I'm like, oh, let's pull like that song too much. Yeah, so... Keanu Reeves, it turns out, lost kind of both the best male performance and most desirable male performance to Brad Pitt in an interview with a vampire, so. <laughs> interview with a vampire absolutely dominated most desirable, most desirable male. Oh, yeah. Though. No, it's a very deserved win. Um, an interesting thing is this is kind of Sandra yeah. Bullock's breakout role. Oh, really? I think That's she's really done like a few stuff before this, but this is kind of the film that makes her into sort of a big star. Mm -hmm. Just kind of like how to go back to Natural Born Killers a bit because sort to follow up on that being the third Woody Harrelson nomination. It's kind of a film that maybe, even as it opens up doors for Woody Harrelson to be a more dramatic actor, maybe also kind of dampers his career a bit because of all the controversy. Some rising mm -hmm. stars, some stars kind of just tapering off a bit. It's it, Yeah, this year's <laughs> got it all. Keanu Reeves goes on to get nominated a couple more times. Sandra Bullock gets another nomination mm -hmm. in 2010, actually. So, oh, yeah, wow. keeping up. That's a big gap, but, you know, obviously keeping up her kissing skills before that. Yeah. Um, she and Keanu <laughs> make another film together, The Lake House, which also has like, a really good kiss, but somehow did not get a nomination. Oh, wow. Strange. But it's a really interesting film. Maybe they didn't get nominated because the idea that they'd kiss would be a spoiler for a film that where the plot device is it's a time-traveling lake house, where they're theoretically there at different times. But yeah. you got anything else to say on Speed? Or no, um, yeah, no, this is a pretty, a pretty good action movie. Um, yeah. I like the bit where they, uh, they, they lay on the sheet of metal as it speeds behind the bus, and the bus crashes into, I'm assuming, an empty plane. Hopefully, yeah, like. They don't get much uh, into, like, what that airplane is. It's just there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I think it's implied that it's, it's like, being pulled by, like, the car or something. Like, the it's just being put into, like, a bay Yeah, or they just need to stop that bus. And I guess better a plane than, like, the airport. Yeah, for... yeah exactly. Yeah, no. Moving on to a movie that I had an immense deal of fun with. I really liked True yeah, Lies. Yeah, True Lies. A good time. From the director of Titanic, eventually, yeah. an avatar. Oh, wow. Wait, this is made by, uh, oh, it's James yeah. Cameron. Wow, that's super interesting. Yeah, and the that. last kind of film of his that can be said to be not like a technology-pushing epic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, again, this was like, I watched this after Natural Born Killers, and it was like, it was a pretty good palate cleanser, just a very... Um, very funny, very goofy kind of like spy kind of movie. Uh, yeah, Arnold plays really, I think, really well in comedies. I think he's just a very kind of funny character to see to anything. Yeah, so this movie, essentially the premise is that, um, uh, Arnold's, Arnold's character is a sort of spy, um, but he has to tell his family, including his wife, Jamie Lee Curtis, that he's just sort of like a, just sort of like a salesman of some sort, generic businessman, when in reality he is like a super duper spy. Um, and this causes him to be sort of missing at home, which causes Jamie Lee Curtis to um, accept calls from this sort of mystery man um, and eventually see him. 
which um, Arnold's character sort of clues in on and starts using his like spy tech to like to like bug her phone and all this stuff, and eventually like catch her meeting this guy. Um, which she like in the end she kind of like refuses him before he sort of busts sounds busts down the door with like a bunch of like SWAT and FBI guys. Yeah, a lot of the first half of this film is unfortunately about lying to or gaslighting Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, oh my, that the interrogation scene was so yeah. So like when they sort of um they sort of catch Jamie Lee Curtis and like the the mystery man and the mystery man is sort of doing the inverse of Arnold's lie where he's like lying about being like a super spy when in reality he's just a Yeah, and he's sales. taking credit for stuff that Arnold did, which is a really good joke. It just Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh <laughs> and uh oh I absolutely love um I can't I don't know the actor, but the person who plays sort of Arnold's like second hand guy, just like his best friend. And he's just like He's like, oh, your wife's having an affair, and he just kind of laughs and goes, ah, oh, first one? Oh, yeah. He's, he's just an incredibly delightful yeah. character. I believe that's Tom Ar- Arnold, who like, got no- a nomination for Best Comedic Performance for this movie. Just... Yeah, no, he was great. I yeah, he lost to that. Jim Carrey. Yeah, that's, yeah, if you're going to lose to anybody, it's going to be yeah, that. Yeah, for Dumb and Dumber, beating himself in The Mask as well. Just Yeah, and then, sorry, yeah, I guess to finish the synopsis, um, there's a sort of uh, generic sort of um, terror group with a bomb. Yeah, and then sort of after they capture Jamie Lee Curtis, like, with the mystery man, she still, like, doesn't know, like, it was Arnold that did everything. She still just, like, thinks she just got captured. And they, they essentially tell her, like, oh, like, to not go to federal prison, you have to, like, do this mission for us. Yeah, Arnold realizes she needs a bit more excitement, so he stages a mission where she's gonna seduce a guy who's actually him. Yeah, it's such a it's such a weird premise. Yeah, and then I, I guess at this point we actually get to, like, I'm assuming the kiss of the movie in question? Or is it, is there a different kiss? Um, I assume the kiss was later on, after Okay, so eventually they get kidnapped by real, like, bad guys during the seduction mission. And, like, she finds out who he is, there's a thing, and then, at this point, Jamie Lee Curtis goes from being just kind of a more passive-type character to just being, like, really active, but I assume the kiss they meant is when the nuclear bomb goes off. Oh my gosh. Alright, because this is a movie where at least one nuclear bomb goes off just in the middle of, like, ocean yeah just the ocean yeah no that i think that kiss is definitely like very very good um yeah I, that one's i like that one a lot i think it's it's framed really well it's very sweet um and then so the the bad guys they have a bomb they're gonna set it off and then in the process of um uh arnold and jamie lee curtis like um, Jimmy Lee Curtis sort of is kidnapped and so is Arnold and then there's she sort of finds out everything that he's a spy and all that. They sort of working together sort of are able to escape the base um, and then lock, and put the nuke in the ocean and set it off. But during all this the main bad guy has like kidnapped their daughter and is like holding her hostage. And then I guess you know yada 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 uh, the bad guy gets his <laughs> gets his one of his pieces of clothes caught onto a missile and and Arnold fires that missile that he's attached to into a helicopter in probably the goofiest scene in this movie. Yeah, and it ends with just them, like, his wife's become, like, an agent at the end and it ends with them, like, heading out, like, together and... Yeah. And they encounter, like, the character who had been just pretending to be a spy and they intimidate him and then they just do, like, the tango <laughs> and it's like, yeah, no, um, yep, very good, very good sort of feel-good movie. Um, not as much to say about it. It's very, it was a really good palate cleanser after Natural Born Killers. I yeah. Um, yeah, we get, we get a couple of, like, nice, yeah. goofy action films for this Best Kiss Now year, which shows yeah. variety. Um, I, I'll say watching it, James Cameron was going through a divorce during the time of this movie, and you can kind of tell that for a oh. lot of the first half with its... Yeah. Attitudes no, towards it's, women, it's, maybe, it's but it picks up a lot in the second half. Jamie Lee Curtis gets to be a badass. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. 
Um, I guess my one true life story is that I think I took a clip of this and I used it for a physics um, assignment I had in high school where you essentially had to take a scene and then use like physics calculations to see why it's like false or like why it like wouldn't work. And I think I used the scene where the bad guy uses a motorbike to like jump across the building and lands in a pool. And I think I, I calculated the amount of force that would have been exerted onto him from the motorcycle, like the amount of force he would have like impacted the pool with. Given oh, classic cinema sins um, over here. Just <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And then I guess, yeah, any attempt to skim on any details. Um, Arnold is on a horse in that scene. And he takes a horse in an elevator. Oh, yeah. This this movie is really goofy and really fun. I would definitely recommend Yeah, it. it's definitely a good film. Again, I'm also a fan of Arnold's comedy period from the 90s, just because, like, Arnold is not a, like, chameleon <laughs> yeah. of an actor. He always just looks and sounds like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, exactly. I think in, like, comedic roles, it does wonders. Yeah, and... I think, like, the lesser Arnold Schwarzenegger comedies, like, Kindergarten Cop, just stop at, oh, isn't it funny that, like, this big guy's in this situation, and the better ones, like this film mm-hmm. or Last Action Hero, find ways to just, like, add on add stuff on top of that and make <laughs> yeah. that more than just, like, yeah. the only joke in the film? Just Yeah, absolutely. No, this, 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 one's, this one's a riot. Absolutely. Yeah, and... Good for Jamie Lee Curtis to finally get recognized after she got snubbed from My Girl all those years ago. Yeah, exactly. I was very, very happy to see that. I guess we want to give our rankings of the movies themselves, and then after that, the kiss. Did I get the order right this time? Yeah, you got the order right. Nice. Yeah. Um, So I think in terms of the movies themselves, um, I think sort of at the bottom, um, I think I'd have to put, like, in terms of this list, um, probably like Dumb and Dumber. I think it's a movie I liked a lot as like a kid. And, like I have a lot of nostalgia for it, but I think like going back to it, I'm like, eh, it's all right. Um, and then after that was Speed. I had a I had a lot of fun with Speed. Um, uh, yeah, I'd never seen it before. Um, yeah, no, it was all good movies all around. Um, but it didn't quite it, it didn't quite offer as much as the other ones as the other movies on this list did. Um, I think I'd have to put after that, I'd put um, Before Sunrise. I thought it was, like, really, I think it was really, really sweet. I I, I like, um, I, I don't know, I like uh, sort of these kinds of love stories that are, like, uh, I guess, like, kind of, it's all moving so fast, and, like, there's so much, like, tension near the end, or, like, are they actually never going to see each other again? So that was a very, very neat one. Um, and then we have it the last two. Um, and then, unfortunately... Um, I'd have to say Natural Born Killers just wasn't nearly as entertaining to me personally as True Lies. Yeah, I, I had a great time watching True Lies. It was just, I I had no idea that I would have such a fun time with that movie. Yeah, I definitely had a good time with, again, most of these films. I'm at the bottom, Dumb and Dumber, you know, like, Jim and Carrie, there's a mode I like him in and a mode I like him in less, um... And for most of his best kiss nominations, he is not except they're not for movies that are in modes where I like him in. So that's like at the bottom, though. You know, there's a couple of good jokes. And then after that, I would say probably True Lies, like very entertaining back half of the film, but just like the the first half with. All the things about just misleading Jamie Lee Curtis, where it gave me enough pause for it to be like, be a bit more, ah, compared to some of the other f- films on this. So, again, great, good movie, had a lot of fun with it. Then after that, I will say Speed. Again, just your classic goofy 90s blockbuster. Doesn't maybe get to the heights of like a face off or something, but still has a lot of fun. After, after that, yeah, I would say. Natural Born Killers in second with Before with Before Sunrise is my top film. Yeah, Natural Born Killers, a uh, just very yeah. very intense movie, like good good satire, very violent, some insane performances, especially when it gets to like the prison break and some sequences in. Yeah, yeah. But Before Sunrise, you know, sometimes you just gotta go for like the simple film that has like the good conversations and. 
Yeah, no, that's like a great movie for that. And episode. again, even though Ethan Hawke's playing a similar character from his like Reality Bites one, I think it just works better for me here. Yeah. Where it's yeah, I think it's definitely also like toned down a little bit from his his, his one in that. Honestly, he's, he's a little less. It's of a bit a more jerk. grounded. It's more naturalistic over the long night. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I I totally agree with that. And then I guess I'll move on to my kiss, my kiss to this. Um, I think at the bottom, uh, it's kind of a it's a the double whammy, Dumb and Dumber again. I think it was just a comedy kiss is a is a cruel mistress because it just it's there's so little to um to like judge about it, you know, like the framing and everything. It kind of just is it funny? Is it not funny? And like it just wasn't that funny, especially in comparison to the Wayne's World Two one, which was so good. Yeah, and then after that, I would probably it's really tough. I'd probably just put the Natural Born Killers one. Not because the kiss is bad, but I just think the movie around the kiss is just so much more wacky and weird that like the kiss just it completely like it just I it was just such a um there was just no there was very little like kind of I guess emphasis on it that wasn't like there was very there was other distracting elements I guess. Um and then after that, I think I'd have like I think I'd have to put the the speed kiss. Um I think you are right that it kind of loses a bit of a bit of its uh a bit of its impact with the crowd. I think that makes it a little funnier. And I'm not, I'm not sure at what cost that has, um, to its, like, its, its gravitas. Um, but I think that's kind of where it ends up in this sort of weird limbo of, like, very serious emotional kiss and, and, a uh, joke kiss. Um, and then after that one would be the true lies. Um, I like that one. Yeah. It had a nuke in the background. Um, and then the before sunrise one, I think, in this one, I think just the chemistry between the characters, I think, elevated this one a lot um, for me personally. I think it was, like, very impassioned. I liked it a lot. Yeah, well, okay. yeah, I think we have similar orders for the kisses. I just have to yeah. Ch- check. Yeah, Dumb and Dumber at the bottom. Like, it's de- decent, and, and I'll give it props for there's a homophobic joke in Dumb and Dumber, and it's not the kiss. So, get some credit compared to some comedy kisses we'll be looking at later yeah and then after that i have speed just again good kiss would have liked it a lot more if it wasn't just people peeking in and going yeah <laughs> just so cheering off yeah yeah the natural born born killers like again as you said there is i think woody harrelson and juliette lewis have a lot of chemistry but like it comes out in other parts of the film that aren't really the kiss. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It wasn't. Yeah, I think I think it's it's one of those things where the the movie was better than the kiss to the point where it made the kiss look a little ant. Yeah, you're rooting for the couple, kind of, but like it's not because of the kiss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it's. So I'll say, yeah, watching this, I'm like, oh, I can see why Woody Harrelson got cast as Carnage and Venom let there be Carnage. Just. <laughs> yeah, feels like a exactly. run. And then for winner, I would also have to go with Before Sunrise with True Lies at a very close second, just because I think the image of them kissing as the nuke goes off is like really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I don't know why. Like I completely forgot about that one. Or yeah, no, that one's a great one. Thank you for driving my memory on that one. But yeah, like the Before Sunrise kiss is just. And it's just really nice and sweet, and, like, it has, you know, the relationship, like, it kind of goes in. Again, it's a thing where, like, I don't know if their best moment is in the film is the kiss, but the kiss definitely feels nice, because it comes after a culmination of seeing them get to know each other and such, so. Yeah. I think, yeah, that's, um, that was 1995. Um, yeah, there was a lot of diversity in this list, I would say. Um, hopefully that's that's true going forward with all of these. I I was definitely expecting like a lot of like almost all of these just to be romance ones, but I'm glad we're getting like a good chunk of variety. These have all been great movies. Yeah, I'll I'll say there's a fair bit of variety like in definitely in the next year as well. And then um, yeah, that's all I have for that. Um, what is what is what is your <laughs> I I I think I've accidentally done this almost uh, each time. What is your, I guess, not even tangentially related to kissing uh, recommendation of the week? 
Yeah, plug of the week. It's it's good. It's the segment. We're going to do more segments at some point. We'll figure out games to play or something to, like, extend the length artificially. Just... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I like plug of the week. Cause it, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, I love a plug of the week, whether it's going to be a game, a show, a, a movie, anything. What's your, What's your plug of the week? Well, I've been watching yeah, this show. It's on Apple TV+. Plus. It's called For All Mankind. It's kind of just this show. It's from the guy who created Battlestar Galactica and Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and then also Outlander as a non-space type thing. But it's, it's sort of about an alternate reality where the Soviet Union lands on the moon a couple weeks before the U.S. does. And instead of the space race kind of just petering out, it sort of just keeps going. So it becomes just kind of examining this history of sort of a bit what the world looks like when you're still trying to do stuff on the moon. And there's a bunch of characters, some pulled from history, some less so. There's there's some fun stuff. Like the first season is set kind of in, well, sort of the late 60s, early 70s, as you just kind of see the progression of stuff. and. The second season is set in the 80s and is kind of building up to what I have heard described, like I'm not quite done, but I've heard described as sort of Cuban Missile Crisis on the Moon. And hmm. a domino seem in place for that. And it's just a really good show, re- yeah, really well acted. And I've, uh, I don't binge as much TV shows these days, but I've definitely had a lot of fun watching through this one. Yeah, nice. Yeah, um, my plug of the week um, is Bo Burnham's Inside. I really like this. Uh, it's a very good special. Very emotionally heavy. I really, really liked it. Um, yeah, I don't maybe know the best piece of pandemic art. Just yeah, absolutely. I think it's yeah, absolutely one of the best pieces of pandemic art that there is. Yeah, you can find me um, at my Instagram. Not two or not underscore two underscore pens. Uh, that is the number two, not written two. Um, or on my Twitter, uh, at but albi. That's uh, f u t underscore a l b e e. You can find me on Twitter at like a Wolverine. You can find me on Letterbox, which is a nice little film social media site. Also under like a Wolverine, and you can also find a list that shows all the films we'll be covering for the show and whatnot um you can find uh, might as well just get my instagram at this point it's kenny freaking sage yeah i use it sporadically our theme song for the show is done by matt samard he does not have a soundcloud but he wants me to come up with different things for him so he can make more music for the podcast so maybe you'll hear more stuff from him at some point Roll on some kind of bone. Yeah, maybe some background music. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, while we're talking. We'll come up with something. Um, yeah, you can find the show on Twitter at Gold Popcorn Pod. Uh, just feel free to send us your thoughts if you disagree with us or agree with us. Um, we'll, we'll be a bit behind where hopefully by the time we record next week's episode, the first episode will have finally launched somewhere. And <laughs> Yep. We'll start interacting with, with you there. You can also email us at pastagoldenpopcorn at gmail.com. Um, I guess at this point, once the show is out, you should be assuming it's available on your typical platforms like Apple. Just rate and review and subscribe and tell your friends and all that. So you can keep building this up, though. Even if no one's listening, yeah. I'm sure we'll still keep making the... Just... Yeah, tell your, if you don't like it, tell your enemy. Yeah, get your enemies to listen to it. <laughs> yeah, and next week we'll be talking about Best Kiss 1996. And the films for that are, or your nominees are, Antonio Banderas and Salma Hayek for Desperado, Jim Carrey and Sophie Okinado, I, I should look into pronunciation there, for Ace Ventura When Nature Calls, Winona Ryder and Dermot Mulrooney for How to Make an American Quilt. I, yeah. Etana Sanchez. You know, I'm butchered this last name. I'll look it up for next time. And Keanu Reeves for A Walk in the Clouds. 
And the and the winners are Natasha Henstridge and Anthony Gadara for Species. A truly wild kiss that we will talk about next week. <laughs> I can't wait. Just wait till you see what. <laughs> uh, the poster looks insane, so I'm, I'm hoping. Yeah. I'm not going to read up anything on this, so I'll go completely blind. Yeah, and maybe we'll have a guest next week. Maybe not. I have to confirm some things, so I'm not going to announce mm-hmm. more, but right, stay posted, because we're definitely getting into territory where you might hear a third voice on the show with kiss opinions. Hey. But yeah, so anyways, until next time, just keep, keep passing that golden popcorn and attend people's plays as the world opens up again, if they invite you to stuff. It's just polite. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. I don't have anything clever to say. Cool. Um, <laughs> bye-bye. Bye.